Hey, welcome back to Four for the Road, guys. I'm your host, Punk Rock. We got Tragic and Darren Drifter here today. Um, so we appreciate all the love and support from last week's episode. Uh, it took a lot of work to get everybody there. I'm really happy that it turned out the way it did. Um, and like we said, uh, this week we're talking about the different eras that we've gone through in our motorcycle club culture. Um, starting all the way back from, I think, uh, Andar was sh shooting notes out from 1901 and, you know, breaking it up in different areas up until today. Um, so with that, I kind of want to throw it over to Drifter since he's been alive for all of this. Um, and, uh, just, uh, get his take on different areas right. in the community, you know? Well, yeah, we can start. Why don't you tell us your favorite drifter? Tell us what you tell us what you love, and tell us how you kind of break it up. Uh, well, my favorite is from about the uh, late '40s all the way up to the mid '60s. That era, as it changed from what it was to what it went to become, and we'll get back to that. But that was a major change in the whole motorcycle club culture area. Uh, that's whenever we went from club sweaters and, and mom and pop kind of stuff till we get to, you know, what we think of as a, as a one percenter today. That, that's where he was born in that. And I find that whole thing fascinating. <clears throat> so as far as how I split it up, um, I guess I'll just start with the first one and then we could talk about it. Uh, the, whenever bicycles, whenever they used to race bicycles in the 1800s, they had these motorcycles that they used as drifting bikes so the bicycle would be behind this motorized bicycle so that they could you know drift behind it and ga gain a lot of speed that way so of course you know guys being guys they started racing these motorcycles these motorized bicycles and motorcycle clubs were born hell yeah hell yeah yeah so that goes up to about the first world war that was a very fascinating time i think Andar is probably a lot better versed in that. <laughs> Everything I learned, favorite. I learned from you. I think, I think <laughs> maybe not know so much, so more well versed than anybody here. I mean, obviously, we all know Tragic's the smartest guy in the room, but you know, I think Tragic's beard is the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> Tragic's okay. Uh, I think that that my kind of my interest and my passion and all that kind of stuff has been kind of through that early era. And it doesn't take anything away from the other ones. I find all of it fascinating, but to me, like, you know, I think Jim touched on it, not, not in this show yet, but uh, um, in earlier writings, uh, drifters touched on <laughs> his earlier stuff that he's done. Um, it was almost like the gentleman era and, and stuff like that. I mean, really you're looking at kind of some of the, the early pioneer stuff. You're looking at some of the, the bicycle racing, becoming motorcycle racing. That was like the Super Bowl back then of today's era. Uh, you know, we have club pioneers, you know, the first motorcycle clubs over, you know, the first motorcycle club in London, the the early clubs here in the States we've talked about before. And, and, hey, and our, yo, what was the name of, what was the name of that club in London? What was the name of that club? <laughs> Are you ready for this? Yeah. Oh, well, it's going to be great. The London Motorcycle Club. What? Yeah, yeah. I don't think there was any like flaming skulls or anything like that on a backpack either. I'm pretty sure it was just said London Motorcycle Club. Um, who's the first person to put a flaming skull on a backpack? That's what I wanted. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Um, 
you know, so you look at these early, you know, like I said, we talk about some of the broad, you know, some of the board track racing and stuff like that. And, and that was like the Super Bowl. They're bringing out, you know, 10, 15,000 people to watch you know, the flat tracks and watch some of those, uh, you know, they started calling them murder domes because guys would become impaled by these splinters coming up and, and oh, yeah. you know, kind of kind of what, what Jim, uh, what Drifter touched on, and I'm sure he'll touch on again, is you know, uh, for the first 50 or so years of motorcycle clubs being in existence, guys wear sweaters. Like, you don't really think of, of uh, you know, leather jackets or denim vests or denim jackets or anything like that coming out until the early to, to mid-50s, probably early 1950s, you'll start seeing guys painting stuff or coming up with designs on the back of these jackets. But, but prior to that, dudes are and they're they're racing sweaters and and they're not race and they're not wearing them um you know to the bar or anything like that or out to pick up chicks or, or stuff they're you know they wear their club sweaters when they club sweaters when they go racing um and that's sometimes the only time you'll see them in in their club attire and i'm not i'm not advocating for one style or the other i'm just saying it was a different era and to me it's just cool to see kind of how we've evolved um and, and how we've changed um, before we move on to somebody else, uh, just some specifics that I kind of thought about that I like. Um, you know, people sometimes give shit to um, to hog, you know, the hog guys or whatever, those Harley owners group. But before they kind of kind of hijacked it, um, it was actually like uh, so some early Harley racers, guys like um, like Shrimp Burns and them, they would win a race and then they would actually take a pig on a victory lap um, around the track and feed it up. Uh, well, for this episode, we'll call it a Dr. Pepper, but I'm pretty sure it was beer. Uh, you know, and and now Pete is gonna protest our show, <laughs> but they would give the pig a beer on the victory lap, and that's how Hog actually came about before it stood for um, Harley's owner, Harley owner group. Um, I didn't know that. And then, you know, you know, shout out to Drifter here. You talk about you know some of the early kind of rallies and races and stuff like that you know in the early 30s you've got the daytona 200 which i'm sure drifter will obviously give us more about that first winner yeah and uh <laughs> in 1938 you see the first sturgis rally and, and i never care when people want to bitch about what it's become because that's on us we allowed it to become ten dollar beers and five dollar t-shirts and everything else but the history behind the jack pine gypsies Pappy Hoyle and like how he used to like hold this event behind his shop, behind his motorcycle shop. It's just awesome. Uh, regardless of what you think of the race or the the rally nowadays. Uh, same thing with Laconia. I mean, Laconia was like the first one on the scene in 1916. And it had like 150 bikers for that very first one. And then, uh, you know, by 1917, the, the Federation of American Motorcyclists, um, which kind of predates the AMA, held the first Gypsy Tour, um, which then obviously the... I think the Gypsy Tour is a little bit more famous with the AMA, but it, but it first comes on the scene in 1917 um, with Laconia, and then the first time it would be called um, a Gypsy Tour. And I've talked long enough about what I love. Why does somebody else tell me what they love? So, I don't, I don't know. My, my stuff's more in the 50s, the 60s, and the early 70s is what I'm really what I'm really stoked about. Um, so we got somebody that wants to fill in the gap there between the 30s and the 50s? Oh, that's Drifter all day. Everything I learned from that man. Yeah. Oh, stop. <laughs> uh, well, I just – let me back up just a little bit. So I'll go real quick, just a bullet point on each of the errors and, and how I view it. So when motorcycles first began all the way up to the First World War, 
the emphasis was on racing. Uh, you had racing clubs, but everything was about racing. And then they started getting together. They'd have dinners. They'd have dances, that sort of thing. But it's all about racing. Then you have all these guys go off to World War One, and they saw some shit. First kind of industrialized war. They came back. They were a little disillusioned with life and, and how things were supposed to be, right? Yeah. So these clubs went from, you know, racing clubs to now these are my brothers in addition to my racing club. <clears throat> and then it goes all the way up to World War II. Those guys come back and they see it even more, only instead of now just a little disillusioned with life and I need my brothers, it's a little bit of, you know what? I'm kind of pissed off. So I'm going to raise a little hell because I could die tomorrow. So then those clubs in the 50s and, and 60s, early 60s, you know, they're all about raising hell, you know, being cool, hanging out, uh, being a little rebellious. Then the 60s come. Then you got Vietnam, and you got the drug invasion. And just like everything else with the culture, the 60s changed the culture completely. Then you go from guys who want to live this life 100%. They don't want to have a job. They don't want to be in part of society. They just want to live this life. And we've seen all the biker movies. You know, that was the idealized version. Then the 70s catch up to us. The 80s come around, and then the cops get wise. They start doing Rico left and right clamping down and now that's kind of gotten us to where we are now and i think it's coming back full circle i think the young guys today are seeing all the shit from the 70s and the 80s and the late 60s of the drugs and the easy riders and all of that and they're going you know what maybe let's get back to this racing business and being brothers and you got shows like mama try all those different shows that are happening and i think that's where it's going so there there's there's my piece all right, now are you going to school us on, on the 40s and the 50s? <laughs> uh, well, you know what? The people that are listening, look for, there's a photo shoot on, I think it was Life Magazine from 1965. And it shows um, the Hells Angels and Satan Slaves and a few others. But what's really interesting is at one point, they all go to an AMA meet. And you can see the Hells Angels, and they look like, what you would consider a biker today with their cutoff vests and their three-piece patch. And then you see a few pictures of the galloping goose. And, man, I just fucking love their history. But you can see the evolution of the one percenter right there because it shows the president of the galloping goose, that chapter in Southern California, and he's wearing a traditional racing sweater, right? It's got their emblem on the back. It's obviously a galloping goose standing right next to him is a guy who looks like what we would call a biker today with the long hair, the, the big beard, and the leather, uh, the uh, jean vest with the cutoff and the galloping goose patch right on the back. You can just see that evolution. And what, hey, Drifter, Drifter, I have a question for you. Hey, Drifter. Yeah. So, so just to hit on that for a second, the question for you, uh, what do you have an idea? Do you have a theory? Kind of what led to that transition from the sweaters to the to the denim jackets, the denim vest? And then, I mean, we've kind of talked before about you know the first club to come up with leather and things like that, and the why of the leather. But where where do we see that transition from sweaters to vests? And is it because of? I mean, is this something that you attribute to the wild one and being on the big screen with with Brando and his jackets, or, or what? Why why is it transition? Well, after World War Two, you start seeing all these government issue leather bomber jackets and aviators uh jackets coming back you know with the painting on the back 
motorcycle clubs are a continuation of that after World War II. So they, they get the bomber jackets. They see the wild one, and they go, holy shit, you know, as we talked about in our last one, leather jacket sales went through the roof the day after that movie came out. So that evolves, and then, you know, leather becomes cheaper. So instead of buying a jean cutoff now, you can buy a leather vest, a little bit of extra protection, but it's a leather vest, which is an upgrade. It'll last longer and that sort of thing. So that's how it came about. But moving from sweaters to a vest, I think that was just how the culture was going because they wanted to stand out. They wanted to break their patches up into three pieces. They, they wanted to not conform. They didn't want to look like the old people. They were, they were disillusioned. And I've talked way too much. We haven't heard anything from tragic. Everybody knows he's over here slamming beers. <laughs> Caught him in the middle of a swallow. <laughs> Perfectly timed there, hey, Jeffrey. It's all in the timing. So I'm turning this camera off. This is bullshit. <laughs> Please don't. It came on automatically when I opened it up. So Man. I'm, I'm with it. Hey, you know what? While Tragic finishes his beer, hey, uh, Drifter, um, I also have a <laughs> trivia question for you. Can you tell me the only father-son duo to win the Daytona 200? You know, I'm not going to answer that because that's not fair. It's my club. So you just pass that on to somebody else. Well, no, you know what? Now, now nobody gets to answer it. So forget it. All right. Taking so. my sh- I'm taking my shit and I'm going home. Fred, before you were so rudely interrupted. Put the beer down. Come on, dude. Well, you're just looking at me. I, I'll hear before we're so rudely interrupted. Um, hey, man, you guys picked the topic. I, I'm not as... You guys are the history. Uh, well, you know what? Put it in, in relation to your club. How has your club changed from the 60s to today? Well, you know, I mean, we were the, the birth of my club was on the, the tail end of the 60s. It was 1969, summer 5th. Uh, so it That's my could, birthday, by the way. Oh, is it? Nice. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there wasn't, you know, there's not too much for that. But for, obviously, my, my club and, and the generation that... Um, as far as history goes that I know is from the 1969 and, and on, you know, so the birth of my club was during those kind of real hellraiser years, uh, the seventies, eighties, nineties, yeah, and into the two thousands, you know, and now we just had our 50 year. So, um, and I don't know, I don't know if that's a correlation with, with, uh, you know, the birth of my club and kind of that trend in that era, what happened in those years, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of heavy duty shit, you know, the biker scene was a little bit, uh, not oh, yeah. so racing oriented, but more, you know. Uh, hey, hey, tragic. Can I ask, can I ask you a question? No. <laughs> so I'm going to ask it anyway. So, so you know, you talked and you touched on kind of some of that that just the the difference in the scene and in, in what we saw in like the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. For you guys that are kind of taking the torch and leading it now in the 2000s and into the 10s and the 20s and shit like that, like. Are you guys like like taking stuff that you love from the old school and kind of meshing it with stuff that's current or relevant or that you enjoy today with also trying to keep everybody's as much as you can keep everybody's ass kind of out of the fire and, and things like that. And obviously, you know, uh, laws have changed so much to become so restrictive um, where they don't need to be and things like that. I mean, are you guys that are kind of leading these large international clubs forward? Um, you know, is that something that, that you're paying attention to or are you just winging it <laughs> like yeah. does any of that kind of old school stuff go into your thought process 
I mean, you know, I, I, to me, this, you know, I can't speak for, for all my brothers as a whole on that, but I, I can tell you that to me, you know, we learn a lot from, uh, from, from our history and, and, and learn to me what, what works and what doesn't work, you know, what, what not to do. Uh, you know, you learn from, from the brothers before you, you know, on, on how to kind of live and how to not get yourself in trouble. And, you know, you also learn, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to say for what you can get away with, but where the line is, you know. Of, yeah, absolutely. Of, uh, you know, what, what's worth it? You know, is the juice worth the squeeze is one of the things I always teach. Uh, yeah. Hangarounds or you know, prospects around. You know. um, yeah. Well, you know. Here's one big way that things have changed from, let's say, the late 50s, early 60s to, or even the early 50s to today is prospecting. I can tell you for my club, whenever you prospected back in 1953, because I talked to the guys from that time, you had to make so many runs. You had to ride with them so many times. You had to be voted in 100%. And then that was, that was about it. It took about you know, three, four months back then. And then you had to go buy ice cream for everybody. That was the big deal. But today, <laughs> our prospects go, you know, over a year. And, you know, it's a completely different mindset. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's so. Like you know, one of the things that um, you guys, I, you, you two, uh, Drifter and, and Andar, particularly, uh, you know, do a lot of history pieces, which I always learn a ton from. Um, but but in some of those, you know, people kind of quote like some of the OGs, you know, and some of the guys that have been around forever, and they're like, well, when we did it, it was like this, and when we did it, like it was like that, and it's such a far distance. And some people kind of use their words as like, hey, here's here's how they did it back then. How come we can't do that right now? Well, because things have evolved and changed. You know, the OGs did it their way, you know, for a reason. Um, but but some of those things change. Some of it's good to keep the same, but some of them are just going to change. Actually, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like, I, I, I don't you know, just this shit's hard. Like, nowhere, what other culture or thing in this in, in the world, like, do you try to mesh like the history and the culture and the traditions with kind of going forward too? And it's, it's a balancing act to obviously we respect what people before us have, have created and, and, but then also trying to, like you said, make it applicable to today. It's, it's hard to do sometimes like to, to balance it all. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We well, used to have a rule that, uh, you know, social media is a, it's a big thing, you know, and I love it. I love, um, like, Instagram and stuff like that, you know, for pictures and stuff like that, if it wasn't for that. Oh, you should do a podcast, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the Instagram for pictures and stuff is cool because it's like, you know, here's, your, here's your current day history of your club, you know, a picture with you and all your brothers. <laughs> you can imagine what fucking rad photos we would have back in the day if they had that kind of access to photography. Holy shit. Dude, and that's a really Hollister, good point. Hollister, hashtag Hollister, fucking, uh. you know, you just go and look at all of them. Dude, and you bring up such a good point because if we had that back then, I mean, you know, t today we're kind of allowed to, I think you guys, especially in the 1% clubs, are allowed to control the narrative. We're not relying on on Life magazine. We're not relying on, on Mr. Rooney writing the cyclist raid and all this propaganda. We're not relying on the Lynch report. We're actually getting it from support clubs 99 clubs mom and pop clubs one percent clubs we're seeing the truth and and of course there's stuff you don't put on social media but for the most part we're getting a, a history that's so much more accurate than what the history channel is going to give you yeah absolutely I, you know it's, it's like 
it's almost like we have a tool back to, to kind of, you know, fight that that massive PR that yes. you know, like society uses against us. My That's favorite a good point. Is, is, you know, like in, in the you know the 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 man, the cops, they do it also. <laughs> they, they take their their big bust of you know a bag of oregano and a couple of <laughs> bills, and they put it on the table and they pose up in front of it, and you know, look at what we what good we've been doing. And then you know we've got ours, and we're like, hey man, like just this last November, you know my club gave out over five hundred turkeys, full grown big turkeys for everybody, you know, for the neighborhood um for for thanksgiving and it's like we've got pictures of us doing that and you guys are sitting there in front of a an ounce of wheat good job guys <laughs> you guys nailed it hey real quick before we get to i, I know punk rock's got a lot of good stuff to say i want to pick drifter's brain one more time and before i forget because i'm getting old too hey, no, hey drifter um be fine i'm gonna go grab another beer <laughs> that's all we need is another <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to fly this one up like I did two weeks ago yeah, yeah. Hey, hey Drifter so so kind of some stuff that that tragic was hitting on and, and whatnot too like is there kind of like this can you follow almost like this this path of evolution through the different eras and, and the and the kind of the centuries and stuff like this as this has evolved like you know, we talk about the 40s and, and guys coming home from World War Two, and and like if you you could Google it, like the average age for a World War Two vet was like 25 or 26, and and, and you fast forward and you kind of see that maturity and these guys racing and they kind of just want to have fun, but I mean by today's standards they would have been you know, very tame, you know, like like just have a beer, have an ice cream, go race, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And the reception that World War Two veterans got when they came home was was I mean so much different than the vietnam vet and and again you can google it the average age for a vietnam vet was 19 and they're coming home to a country that's not exactly sure what to do with them do we embrace them do we scorn them are we mad at them are we mad at the policies like like you know it was very much a, a crazy and turbulent time for these guys to come home and where the world war ii veteran is kind of welcomed with open arms um, and, and, and welcome back to society and jobs. The Vietnam vets coming to a shit economy where there's, there's not a lot of jobs. Things are going away. We're losing kind of like the industrial kind of factory type jobs and things like that. They're, they're, they're not getting a warm reception. The VA is a mess. And these guys become that more, that, I won't say secluded. I don't know if that's the right word, but that more reserved and private kind of motorcycle club guy because of that. And there's such a contrast to, and do these eras feed into each other? So that takes us to the from you know World War II in the '40s into into Vietnam and that era. And then what we see from that Vietnam vet and his reception is kind of that one percenter that represents, or, or any motorcycle club kind of in that era that represents the '70s and the '80s and and what I like to call you know the sometimes the gangland episode rehearsal. <laughs> well, actually, I would say that the the one percenters actually grew out of the World War II vets. So here's how I put it. So World War II vets come back. And first of all, there's a shit ton of them. And they were all told, okay, war's over. You guys did a great job. We totally love you. Now get back to normal life. Ozzy and Harriet, let's go. Make some babies. Shut up. Let's go. So a lot of them tried to do that. And some of them were going, we, you know, we call it PTSD now, but back then they didn't have a name for it. But these guys were going, fuck, I'm supposed to act like everything's just fine. And I just see my buddy's head get smashed in by a shell, you know? So they're coming back and they're dealing with that. And the ones that really didn't deal well, that didn't want to fit in, like they were told, they started coming up with this whole one percenter type mentality. Then Vietnam happens. And then those guys come back. And instead 
of, you know, hey, we love you guys. You did a great job. Now get back to being normal. They were told, we don't like that war and you caused it. So it was just, they got double shit piled on top of them. So then they had a whole big fuck you attitude. And they (laughs) took that one percenter idea that was growing out of the late 50s, early 60s and ran with it. And that's where we got to those 70s, 80s and 90s. I mean, I think you hit it right on the head as far as the veteran association with that, with that 1% world and the growth of it. Uh-huh. You know, it, it was, it slowed down after, you know, uh, you know, Vietnam was, it, it kind of picked it up and then it kind of slowed down there for a while. And then fast forward to modern days where we've been almost in, you know, almost 20 years of at least some sort of active combat situation from our military service. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and dude, I got new brothers, new guys coming in all the time or combat veterans, you know, Vet, you know, I get non-combat veterans, but a lot of guys who, you know, have come from, you know, service and and war, um, trying to fit back in. It's huge, it's a huge spike rate. Yeah, I think got, what's different you now got with main hubs of the CBs up there too. CBs, we build, we fight. <laughs> Alpha Company, we fight, fuck, and drive big trucks, man. <laughs> Ones that go, psh, psh. yeah. So. I think the difference now with the vets coming back now is they've, you know, they've been treated fairly well when they come back by the people, you know, Hey, good job vets. We totally love you. Um, But what they're looking for, I think is they're miss that team. They miss being part of a brotherhood. I mean, when you're in combat with, with a group of men, dude, you, you form bonds that, that you can't anywhere else. And they're looking for that again. They miss it in their life. And I think that's where the motorcycle club really answers that for them. But they don't want to deal with all the bullshit that the 80s and 90s had. So I think that's why it's going back to kind of racing, hanging out, raising hell. And not so much, you know, walking around like, you know, I got to I gotta control this territory. That's kind of going away for the, for the average biker. Yeah. Hey, so is Punk Rock here? Like, is he gonna talk? I mean, he's just kind of letting. His, I mean, he's not contributing anything to this show. Well, I mean, you need somebody to edit the video. <laughs> he's no, probably I'm already. Just, man, I'm just listening, man. Um, you know, kind of, kind of like what Tragic was saying earlier, man. Like, you and Drifter normally do all the big fucking uh, big history pieces and shit, and I'm I'm just sitting here learning. Like I said, I've really got like one. I have I have like. Two and some change decades that that I'm interested in, and that that was pretty much it. Like I knew that you guys were gonna blow the you know the early days out of the water because you guys have so much knowledge and appreciation for those eras that I didn't even really want to touch on it because I don't feel that I would have done the same. I, I wouldn't have done it justice the way you guys did. Um, so what do you I, like about your era? What is it you like about that? What draws you to it? Um. So really, it was it was uh, a lot of the notes that that Andor had sent out, man. Um, I think that that was the birthplace. Hey, of... don't tell people we prep for this shit. <laughs> Damn it! This is supposed to be off the cuff. Oh yeah, this is all off the rip. I'll, I'll edit that out later. Ha ha ha. <laughs> um, but no, like I think that's where like a lot of the shock value clubs come from. Um, and not really like the shock value clubs, but like the. That like outlandish fucking like where the actual counterculture started, because um, you know you got those guys coming back from World War II that were disgruntled. They 
they witnessed a whole ton of shit and then we didn't have the services or really the education to support them coming back and it was like fuck you you don't know what life's about you know because i had to carry you know my best friend you know miles while he was fucking bleeding to death whatever and you know so they were they were upset and that's that's where those one percenters were born from um and that's that's just also obviously where you're gonna see like a lot of the nazi shit floating around um there's a club that's a whole topic all in and of itself that is man i mean there's there's one club today that was founded right around the end of world war ii um that they use the nazi warbird holding on to the fucking uh charter number that they belong to you know i mean that's where you kind of that's where like that shit kind of came on the scene um but it also wasn't all negative, right? Like there was people that just wanted to be left alone. They just wanted to go do their shit with their fucking people that they called brother. But I mean, there's negative. I think there's negative in absolutely anything you do in society. I mean, you know, we talk about the early days of, of motorcycle racing being the Super Bowl. Well, there's football players that get in trouble. There's baseball players that get in trouble. There's yeah. people at your car wash that get in trouble. Like, you know, we're no different than than anybody else, whether we're 99, mom and pop, one percent. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and I'm saying like on the flip side of the coin, right? Because it wasn't all bad. It wasn't all like, fuck you. You can look at me, but don't fucking talk to me, you know, and and territory and all that shit, you know, that they wanted to fucking kind of be themselves. But then a lot of like cool shit happened too. Like, um, well, brotherhood got a lot stronger. The the idea of brotherhood got a lot stronger. People will fight and die for their brothers today. Like community thing here. Is like the the movies that were born from it, right? So, a we're bringing the community together to come watch this motherfucking thing in the first place. Um, you know, you got stuff like the Wild One that came out in 1953. You got, you know, the Angels from Hell in 1968. You know, like that was a pretty cool one. Um, and like, if you're in a club, you know, and you watch Angels from Hell, you're just gonna laugh at it. You know, it's a good. It's but it's like it's it's a pretty dope movie. You know. Um, hey, tragic. Hey, like you know, from the last one. Hey, tragic. Do you like that meme I just sent you? <laughs> yeah, I just. I didn't know the- <laughs> Secrets don't make friends, guys. And friends I don't think you should share with the class. Hey, you know what though? I mean, like punk rock and punk had a great point though. Like, like there's just I think, you know, maybe just because we're in the motorcycle club scene and we love the culture and things like that, but there is just so much cool stuff that comes out of here. Like, you know, if anybody's, you know, you think about. Um, um, you know, you think about like, um, shit, I lost my train of thought. Did this happen to Tragic last time? <laughs> it did. It did. It's a share of the same bomb. To you oh. now? Because friends yeah. don't make secrets and are. <laughs> <laughs> so, I had a whole thing I was going to do and I just fucking lost it. Well, yeah, yeah that's what you, that's what you get for not sending us all of the main, you know. Well, I'll tell you something that, that we get today that we not, might necessarily not have got back in the day. So, Whenever I was in, in the Navy, I drove little small boats up and down rivers and blew shit up. It was fantastic. I was a well-paid pirate. It was awesome. So that was back, in the, day, that, that was back in the day when men were made of steel and ships were made of wood, right? Yeah, hey, me and John, oh, Paul, John Jones. Paul Jones. Oh, he took it. He took it from me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, How much you, you can't replicate that. You can't replicate that in, 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 in the world except when you're riding in a pack with your brothers doing 80 i'm sorry doing the speed limit 
down the road, <laughs> you know, three feet apart. It's it's just fucking awesome. And we have that today. The whole pack riding idea is a thing that was born from the 60s. Well, late 50s, 60s. You know, and, and I don't want to, you know, I should, I'm not trying to, to put one club in front of the other. But I'm just, because he's here and he's an example, you know, Tragic and, and his club, they do some amazing things with like when they, when they allow some of their stuff to be shared on social media, they put together videos or pictures. And there's other clubs that do it too. I'm just using him as an example because he's here. Well, they, they got do, pretty good videos. They do awesome stuff. And so, you know, like, <laughs> I'm excited. Like if my kids decided to get into motorcycle stuff or Tragic's kids or, or their kids, you know, and stuff like that, like, that's something that they'll be able to look back on. And, and I hope in kind of the same way that, you know, we eat up life magazine photo shoots or we watch the wild yeah. one, they'll be able to watch the, and not just tragic club, but other clubs that are doing the same thing. But, but, you know, I just, as an yeah, example, right. they do amazing shit. And I, and I love that sort of stuff to, to preserve it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you mentioned earlier drifter, um, you know, it, it all started out from racing. Right. And, and you said that, you know, we've got clubs going back to that. Um, like uh, my club actually has uh, the, the the brothers out there in Virginia, you know, they have a racing team and fuck, man, that looks awesome. Like they do. Yeah. The, like, yeah. I think it's drag racing, I guess is the term, you know, where I, I don't think there's like turns. I think it's just like really fast in one straight line and hold on. Hope you don't end up. A yep. Um, man, but, it's coming back. Yeah. And I've been seeing some other ones too recently with, you know, not so much necessarily the 1% side, but you know, a lot of clubs getting into the racing. I've always thought that was, I would love to get into that somewhere, shape, or form, but I think you have to have sponsors and money and stuff like that. So. <laughs> no, you just got to wait. You just got to send it. And and what I love about the clubs today, the clubs are bringing back hill climbs. They're bringing back yeah. dirt track. They're bringing back. Um, they're bringing back. You know, drags like 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 Tragic had mentioned. We're bringing back so many different types of the league of um, the race of gentlemen and stuff like that. Which is awesome, by the way. It's not just motorcycles. It's hot rods. It's I saw two survey cars. 1950-something police survey cars dragging on the beach. It was fucking awesome. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, was, I thought there was more coming. Beyond that, that. Yeah, I thought, I thought he was going to tell us more about the race of gentlemen. He's like, hey, man, there were some cars on the beach. It was cool. Oh, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Am I the cause of this pause? Pause. I mean, we'll, we'll blame it on we'll blame it on punk right? That's more appropriate. But there you go. Damn yeah. it! Edit that shit out, dude. <laughs> no, I, no, no. Fuck you guys. I'll put that in there so everybody knows that I'm not the only one that's fucked up. Hey, you know what? I mean, since we got, um, you know, you guys had the um, the profiling episode and stuff like that earlier, and, and we have tragic here. Um, even even if things are. You know, there's always going to be conflict between men, no matter what the situation is, whether we're trying to buy a new car or riding motorcycles or we're peeing at a urinal. You know, there's always going to be occasionally friction between men. But but as we kind of get away from some of the stuff that, that Drifter mentioned of like the 80s and the 90s, do you ever see the profiling or the, the law enforcement harassment? We'll call it overreach, just just the general overreach of, of the cops. Do you see that ever, you know, going away? And I asked Tragic this because, you know, obviously he's – a part of something that's very much in the in the middle of it. I, I can't ever see it really going away um, until until the, until the public in general um, says that we're we're done with it. Um, it, and it has to affect more than just a very small demographic, you know, of people. You know, bikers as a general is a small demographic. So, you know, we can sit there and yell about it, but it has to be everybody and their mom, you know, calling calling people to court, you know, and making them, you know, explain why they're treating, you know, people who aren't doing anything wrong, you know, bad. 
I, this stuff, you know, like I said, the, the racing's coming back more and more. What you're going to see is you're going to see cops hanging out at racetracks. You're going to be sitting them sitting there, you know, messing with everybody going through when there's clubs going there to participate more in that. Um, and that would be weird, but we're we're used to it, and so because we're so used to it, we we kind of just put up with it uh, a lot more. So so hey, I got a question for you, Drifter, because I know your club wears either. They, they wear identifying clothes, right? Um, mm -hmm. Whether it just says, you know, your club name on the back or the center patch. But you guys wear identifying clothes while you're racing, correct? Yeah, we have a racing jersey. So here's my question for you. One of my favorite events in uh, when I lived in San Diego was to go up to Paris for the Hippie Killer Hoedown, right? And they had flat track mm -hmm. racing there and all this other – like it was – it was fucking rad, but they don't allow club colors there, like for for patrons or for racers at all. What's your what's your take on that? I think it's total fucking bullshit, and you won't find us there. Okay, <laughs> you know it, how's that? Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, sure. That there's that. It's short, but you know, and like we don't that because I think I think that's in Riverside or San Bernardino. I forget what county it is, but you won't see their sheriffs there because there's no colors allowed. So I guess it's it's more of a, like a like a Rico thing. Because they're part of the club. As as someone who is, you know, who, there's the funny thing about establishments is that they can kind of pick and choose. Yeah. They could say, "Hey, these guys' colors are okay, but these ones aren't." You know what I mean? And and there's it's because they have the right to serve or whatever they want. You know, a lot of establishments. Um, the main thing is, is kind of, um, the old tale of don't shit where you eat. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's our responsibility to, you know, to make businesses realize that they're, they're losing business, not just like making a big scene, but, you know, showing them that you're, you're losing business, take your business somewhere else. You know what I mean? That's maybe one of their mm -hmm. competitors and they'll see that they're doing really well. Hey, maybe we shouldn't, maybe we should rethink that policy. You know, what's, what's crazy is, like, we really have become both big business and kind of like this pariah all at the same time. Like, some businesses are absolutely scared to deal with anybody on a motorcycle for, for whatever reason. And some people absolutely love to capitalize, maybe even too much, on our appeal as 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 motorcycle clubs or, or just anybody really on a motorcycle. And you look at, you know, an example, some of the rallies that now charge, you know, 12 bucks for – for a beer and sixty dollars for an affliction shirt or whatever. The, I'm being funny, but you, you get the idea. <laughs> no, you're well, not. Well, <laughs> and, a presenter might come after you for that. Where's the shirts? I mean, there know, goes our sponsorship. <laughs> and you look at some of that, and like you know, guys, you know, you hear stories from or that have passed down from World War II vets and things like that, where they couldn't even get a hotel to rent to them or a gas station to serve them. And we can certainly pretty much fill up wherever we want, but yet some bars or, or restaurants and stuff like that won't take us or, or turn us away at the door, or only select certain members of us and things like that. Like to me, it's just, um, what's that word when something's kind of like crazy one way and crazy the other way all at the same time? Is that a fucked up? There we like a dichotomy or whatever it's called. Yeah. Well, you know, like as an example, like so I, you know, I was going to do a piece on um, a while back on the the David Mann Chopper Fest. Uh, which is, mm -hmm. they hold it here locally. Um, and it's a no, no MC colors event. You know what I mean? And it's, you're like, of all the places, you're like a David Mann, 
art show, Chopper Fest. You got to be exact place where you'd expect to see see people, you know, rocking their colors. Um, and the reason that they don't do it anymore is, you know, and, and these weren't even this was even one percent clubs. These are two ninety nine percent clubs that got into it, got into a big brawl, I guess. Um, and you know, nobody was damaged, nobody was injured. It, you know, there wasn't anything major from it. But it was a little what would back in the day be considered like a, a little a little bit of a bar brawl or a little bit of a spat. Um, but nowadays, people are so much more hyper vigilant and treat any little thing as like a potential, you know, massive critical incident, you know, or and so because of that, you know, now nobody can have fun. Nobody can bring, you know, where the colors and people, I, I sneak soft colors in every year, um, you know, that I go, but, you know, I can't mm-hmm. go there, you know, with the, the traditional three piece, you know, standing out. So if, uh, if David Mann was to show up at his own event, I mean, he obviously can't now that he's passed on, but if he was to show up at his own event in his colors, they would turn him away. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, is, that, is that not crazy? Hmm. Now I'm all fucking well, pissed off. Well, <laughs> I want you three to know, if I had a bar, I'd serve all of you in your <sighs> What would you name this bar? The Toolbox? Wow. (laughs) Fucking. Wow. The fucking. The geriatric motherfucker coming out of left field with motherfucking. (laughs) All right. I got you, man. Hey, dude. It's a. It is 620, and it is way past your bedtime. Why are you. It is, actually. Hey, uh, you know what? I want to get back to this. Real quick before we finish this up and stuff like that, because I saw it pop up in a couple of posts and, and it works for the era discussion and stuff like that, too. Um, the wild one is not based on Hollister. It comes from a combination of Hollister and the Riverside Riots, and it's used off a book called The Cyclist Raid that was written by, um, shit, is it Bob Rooney? or not? I don't think it's Bob. It's something Rooney. Mr. Uh, Rooney. Mr. Rooney, he wrote the cyclist, right? And that is where Frank the Rooney. wild one that is what Stanley Kramer and them used to write the script for the wild one. It is not a Hollister specific movie. Also, um the AMA, um, which we know came after the FAM, did not issue a statement on one percenters. That is a myth. That is something that has never happened. It didn't come after Hollister, et cetera, et cetera. If you look through every old photograph you can find, you will not find a 1% anything, symbol, circle, square, anything on anybody until the late 1950s at best. So I know that popped up a couple of times. We're talking about eras. Apparently nobody reads anything that I often write. So I want to say this again. Okay. It is very cool. It is awesome. It is great history. It is is an awesome part of what pushed this culture to what it is today, but it is not the end all be all birth canal of an outlaw biker, a three piece biker, a 1% patch or anything like that. It's just an awesome piece of something that kept going forward. So kind of off topic, but still on topic. Drifter. Hmm. Speaking of books. You have a book out on Amazon. <laughs> okay, to our three listeners, this was not planned. No, this uh, was yeah. not. This yeah. literally just came from me. So your book, I, I, I just have a question for you because I promised everybody I was going to fuck this up like I did last time. Uh, and <laughs> I started consuming copious amounts of alcohol. 
Um, so, how many pages is your book? Oh man, it's only like thirty-five. Okay, I promised the reader or the listener that you know that one guy that always talks to me starts with a D. A little fucked up. Sorry, my bad. My bad, homie. Much love, respect. Mad <laughs> or mad love, respect. Sorry. Let you know, Jake. That's good drink. Dude, somebody <laughs> make him edit this shit. Jesus, God, damn. I know, right? So, you know, um, fuck his question. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally not editing this either. Um, what, uh, what other books would you recommend? I think that's what we should do next week. Yeah, let's save that for next week. Books, books that a book list that we think people should read. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think I think we should do a book book list. You, you guys go with it. I think so. so. We're gonna do we're gonna do an episode for. Uh, for one guy, because none of our other readers uh, actually read. So. Yeah. Dude, that's 66% of our listeners right there, that one guy. Uh, we just established by uh, Andar that they don't actually read, though. <laughs> so. You know what? If we well, keep no, they don't read his shit. If we keep coming up with, they read yours because they can't figure out what it says, so they have to come back to it. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. Hey, <laughs> nothing, nothing proved it better than the post the other day, which – was random medical jargon and articles strewn together, and people got to the end. There was more comments on that and more likes on that than, like, I think my last three articles. Yep. <laughs> but if we keep doing this um, this nerdum stuff, uh, we're going to lose uh, Tragic here. We're not going to be badass enough to keep bringing him back. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're going to do the episode on uh, Big Booty Hose and uh, Narcotics. Uh, that <laughs> is when we all meet up in October. <laughs> so we can witness and take notes. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what the fuck we're going to do next time. Uh, it's not like any of us are really in charge. Uh, and I know for sure the fuck if it's, it's not me. If Tragic's somebody... beard is in charge. Not tragic, but Tragic's beard. Tragic's beard is the motherfucking president, all right, of the United States. Like, I'm voting for him. Um, so, yeah, hey, thanks for coming to Four for the Road and uh, putting up with me slightly inebriated again. Um, thank you, Tragic Beard, for making an appearance. You're glorious as always. Uh, also, Tragic, thank you for coming and bringing the beard. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so hey, don't forget to check us out on Sucker Free MC. Uh, check us out on Four for the Road, both on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and then, you know what? Hit the comments section uh, if you're on whatever platform that supports it. Uh, and tell us what you want to fucking hear us talk about. Um, do you want me to get drunk and make an ass of myself? Do you? I want to hear Tragic get drunk and make an ass of himself, but I doubt that's going to happen. Um, just because he's scary sober, I don't want to see him drunk. He'll probably come through my computer screen and fuck me up. Um, he's also so, 10 feet tall, and we don't have enough beer, uh, beer to get him drunk. That's <laughs> also true. Also true. Um, but yeah, hit the comment section. Let us know what you guys want to hear about. Um, and then you, who fucking knows, man, we might, we might, uh, might talk about that. We'll give you a little shout out too. Right. So, uh, yeah. Hey, once again, thanks again for listening guys. And we'll see you again next week.